0: it's wednesday the 22nd of february 2017 i'm still robin yellow and this is tectasm episode 46 chinese chips and with me again because nobody else wants it as much as he does is james woodall
1: Hello, hello, Mr Yellow. This is one of the very few times I can actually physically
0: see you while doing the podcast. It is. We are in separate rooms of the uh, Yellow Castle and Nuclear Bunker, uh, but there is glass separating. us. two panes, I hasten to add, to uh, ward off snipers. Uh, well, James, this week we're going to take a look at Xiaomi, who want to get in the business of making their own silicon a YouTube star gets into hot water and now you can give the finger to your Chromebook and we'll be judging these stories and a couple of others to see if they are a tech-tasm which is a blend of tech for technology and tasm for phantasm something existing only in a person's mind so without further intro let's get on with the show. On Amadio in James's favorite publication Ars Technica reported this week that Xiaomi wants to build its own systems on a chip or SOCs and break free from Qualcomm. Now uh, the Wall Street Journal apparently reported that the Chinese smartphone manufacturer Xiaomi is looking to join the ranks of Apple, Samsung and Huawei by developing its own smartphone chips. Now, Xiaomi's processor, James, is called Pinecone, and it will be released within a month. Do you think this is a good move by Xiaomi? Well,
1: it's, uh, it's really interesting. It is a good move if they can um, get the volumes out. I mean, I remember when Apple were transitioning to their A series chips. I think they started with the A4. They, the reason uh, they did this is because when you buy a standard SOC, It comes with loads of features and most smartphone makers or whoever uses it uses maybe 20-30% of the features. Like, for example, um, Ethernet ports. SoCs have Ethernet ports, but Mm -hmm. not many people use them. What Apple did is they built the chip just for the device that they were using so they could get better power utilization, they could get the package down the way they wanted, and they had more control. But, of course, that only works if you can get the volumes out. This is Xiaomi saying that they can get the volumes to where they want to be, therefore they can justify building their own chip. I think it's a great move.
0: Well, they're using a shell company called Beijing Pinecone Electronics. Uh, This is after they paid $15 million to acquire some mobile processor technology from the Datang subsidiary Leadcore Technology Limited. Now, Um, It's interesting that if you were talking about other people like Samsung and Apple, Samsung, of course, used its own uh, SoC line uh, in their Gears S3 smartwatch. They used a 16 nanometer Exonis chip, which, of course, they manufacture themselves. Um, Apple, of course, used their own 16 nanometer A9, is it, or A10, A9 chip. I I think it's A10 now. It was a A10, A10 chip in the Apple Watch Series 2. And as you say, you know the ability to optimise the hardware for the device is the key to it. Does that improve? I mean, if, it, if the device is optimised for the hardware that it's running in, does that improve the battery life as well?
1: Uh, well that, that's one of the goals, absolutely, because you know for certain exactly what your chip is doing because you've designed it for the device at hand. Um, so... Um, you know, what what Apple can do, for example, is they can offload some processing to different processors knowing how it's going to be used. So, uh, to give an example, um, in the iPhone specifically, they've got a motion processor, or they called it a coprocessor, which handles the motion calculations for the gyroscope, etc. That means they don't need those calculations inside the A10 or AX chips, and they can um, save power and space in those kind of places. So,
0: um, but surely it's a very expensive business, isn't it? A fabbing your own chips, which is no mean feat. I mean, they're all based on the same fundamental ARM design, but then, as you say, putting all that effort to to change the design to optimise for the hardware platform, and then fabbing it as well, which is, I mean, that's a billion dollar business, isn't it? Fabbing chips?
1: Absolutely, and that's this is Xiaomi saying we're betting on our smartphones. I mean, what 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 better way to do that than by building your own processor?
0: Well, Xiaomi have nicked everything else from Apple, haven't they? So uh, this doesn't surprise me either. <clears throat> they may or may not have nicked everything else from Apple. That's just my opinion. Um, but look, um, I suppose the tech-tasm here is, should these mobile phone manufacturers be sticking to the marketing and design of the actual hardware, case, glass, that kind of thing, or, or is it best practice for them to move into the chip design but yeah i do worry a little bit that there's going to be you know this patchwork quilt of chip manufacturing facilities just manufacturing a chip for one thing and actually you don't as consumers we don't get the you know the ultimate best chip qualcomm have got their new 835 which is a chip which will work in a phone and a laptop and a chromebook and anything you like thank you very much uh, and it, and it, obviously it is while it is not not optimized for any one of those platforms it contains within a lot of innovations, which will be lost if you get in the business, you know, these smaller companies get in the business of designing their own chips. What do you think, James? How are you going to call it?
1: Um, I think this is definitely not a tech-tasm. Um, Apple have proved that they can do it really well. Samsung, uh, Samsung's strange, actually, because they do it for themselves, but they also sell their own chip. Um, but yeah, They uh, sell
0: it to other people, don't they?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, but I think, I, think this is a, I think this is a good move. Xiaomi are doing really well not copying from Apple, that would be controversial, um, admiring what they do um, and doing it themselves. So, uh, hey, if it works for Apple, why can't it work for Xiaomi?
0: Well, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Let's move on.
1: Okay, so I've got a bit of a double YouTube story here. First off, BBC, our favourite journalist, nameless journo-droid, they do write some great articles.
0: She's fantastic.
1: um, Has um, written about PewDiePie, The um, largest YouTuber, in terms of subscribers, has been... You mean largest by weight? Largest, not necessarily by weight, by number of subscribers. Um, uh, They've been dropped by Disney um, for anti-Semitic comments. So, effectively, this this chap, uh, Felix is his real name... um, Worked or was associated with Maker Studios, who basically pay YouTubers to do YouTube things. Disney bought Maker Studios a while back, I believe. And um, this guy likes to be controversial, and I think he basically went a bit too far. And they've dropped him. And what he did, what the final straw, was he paid two Indians through Fiverr, which is a crowdsourcing website, to dance around a sign that said, Death to all Jews. And effectively, he, um, he claims it was because he was showing how crazy the modern world is and how you can do anything online for $5. But uh, I think he just went a bit too far. What do you think?
0: Yes, the, possibly the excuses of a world-class backtracker. However, I would say if you delve a little deeper into this story, first of all, you know, to our, to our listeners... PewDiePie is one of the biggest stars in the world. And one of the, when I'm, what I mean by that is in, in the crucial under 25 bracket, he's one of the biggest stars in the world. Now, what he does, he's this Swedish guy, lives in Brighton, I think, um, that swears. He plays video games, watches things, does things, and just swears a lot. Um, but he makes $15 million a year just through YouTube doing this. So, you know, he sounds while well, he may swear a lot uh, and be, as you described him, James, an idiot uh, he's a $15 million idiot. Now, because of the Maker Studios relationship, Disney never had a direct relationship with him. They sort of inherited him through their acquisition of Maker Studios. He was never simpatico with the Disney brand. That was never going to be an association, I think, which would stand the test of time. Uh, and uh, actually, I think having seen what he did with the Fiverr and the Two Indians and the uh, the sign that they held up, um, it, I think he was being ironic it's difficult to tell I suppose to read him as a YouTuber it's he, you know he doesn't bear the hallmark of, of sincerity that people of not of his generation can actually necessarily penetrate and see through um, I think he's the actually now I look at it while he what, a lot of the stuff that he does is silly um, and bordering on stupid um, I think he was sensitive and intelligent enough to know that what he was doing was ironic and his audience, I think, is sensitive and intelligent enough to actually see that irony too. And I think the only people who couldn't see it were maybe executives at Disney. Um, so my sympathies lie with PewDiePie, or as you described him, PewDiePie.
1: Yeah, well, I'd never really heard of him before this. I mean, <laughs> I'm not under 25. Um, it wouldn't be the first time that corporates have bowed to parental pressure. Um, for, because you know, uh, parents um, may um, think that their kids need protecting from people like this, when in fact they just are
0: misunderstood. Yeah, and they love PewDiePie, and that is the you know kids adore PewDiePie, and they'll watch him on their phones, so watch him on their laptops, and their kid, their parents have got nothing to do with it. so
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, staying on the YouTube thing though. Um, I mean, interestingly, you know, this guy makes $15 million a year. Um, Some of that, or a huge majority of that, I'm guessing, is through advertising (laughs) revenue. And YouTube has announced uh, last week, um, this is a MacRumors story, uh, not by Nameless Jenna Droid, this is by Mitchell Broussard in MacRumors, and talking about how YouTube are thinking of getting rid of the 30-second advert, the unskippable 30-second advert on YouTube, because... They're losing a lot of people who don't want to sit through and watch it. And I have to now say... look
0: through the window, James. Yep, that is definitely... I'm waving a flag. Yep. In celebration of the death of the unskippable 30-second ad.
1: It is really, really annoying. And um, I, I have to say, I definitely close YouTube videos and switch to ones that I'm not going to get an advert on.
0: Yeah, correct. Um, so do I. Or, or I'll, I'll, I'll even switch to ones where you can skip within a few seconds. Or refresh the page to see if it actually gets rid of the foot. Because if you refresh the page uh, for that for that video with the unskippable ad enough times, it won't show you it. Yeah,
1: it's um, it's definitely annoying. Um, but um, what uh, what people are saying is, and there's a quote here from uh, Callum McCann, a strategy director for Born Social, is saying that this is the price that YouTube is willing to pay to keep people watching. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, because at the end of the day, people are skipping them. It's upsetting them and they're moving to other services, um, where they, um, where they don't need to do that. I mean, YouTube is rolling out actually YouTube red, which is a premium subscription service that helps people avoid adverts. And I have to say, I'm quite a fan of the idea of the paid internet to avoid, you know, I would gladly pay Google five pound a month, let's say. Mm-hmm. to um, avoid adverts and they don't track me I'm, I, I, um, I have a subscription to Wikipedia because I use it a lot and uh, I appreciate there's no adverts there on Wikipedia but uh, at the end of the day I don't need to be sold to I'm happy to pay a small fee to use these services and appreciate them um, and adverts are just really damn annoying
0: I mean, yeah so I have a music service which I pay for uh, to avoid ads uh, with the sort of free Spotify model. Um, I, YouTube Red isn't available in the UK, but when it comes, I think I'll be getting that because I want to protect my kids from adverts, and I don't want to see adverts myself. Uh, how much I'm willing to pay, I don't know whether it's a five or a ten or a month, but certainly, you know, I think for people who want to pay not to see that stuff, that's fine. The issue is, this is like Adblockmageddon. The advertising industry has had its chance. It's pissed people off. Sufficiently that they're moving away in droves, and therefore YouTube, I think, are being very intelligent and clever, and following the feet uh, 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 of people who are running to to other ways to actually get their entertainment. Um, I were there any figures uh, in this article, James, about how much money they might lose? Uh, no, there's there's no figures at all. Um, I mean, effectively, what this it's more of
1: a, I guess, an opinion piece as to why they're doing this. The the sentiment is people are moving to other services, either paid services or other platforms that advertise in a different way. So for example, Facebook video, uh, which is kind of up and coming, uh, doesn't put adverts at the beginning of the videos, today anyway. You know, there's adverts around Facebook, but Facebook has different ways of monetizing Facebook.
0: Yeah, correct. The, the it's sort of eye candy, isn't it, to keep you keep you ho- hooked in and locked in yes. uh, to the site, so that you're reading the uh, the actual advertised and promoted content. I think it's interesting for YouTube, that's always been a free platform with relatively unobtrusive advertising on it, to move towards a platform with less advertising and a, and a, and a paid for. Uh, um, component, YouTube Red, is sort of signalling the the maturity of the, the model for YouTube. Well, I mean, you look at like Netflix and Amazon Prime, of course, who've got their own, you know, they're actually making original content and they're selling those subscriptions. You know, what is Netflix, 10 or a month? You uh, know, it's... it's yeah. It shows you that it can be done. Of course, there is no better platform for YouTube, uh, for video delivery than YouTube. They could easily... T- and you can already get movies on there. I have a couple of movies that I've bought on the YouTube service that are available, uh, you know, will be available till the end of time or, you know, till the big bomb, bomb drops, um, which, I, which I can watch through YouTube. And always you get a very good... Service from Google and an excellent bit rate and good quality, and there's always an app available for any platform that you're watching on TV or tablet or whatever. So you know it's not like they haven't built something which is capable of delivering premium content without advertisements. That's worth a few quid to to not only a, perhaps a young person but the parents of a young person and a and a and a, and a dad and a, or a mum.
1: So I guess the question, the tech tells a question, which I know that our audience is going to be begging. us to ask is um our premium service is going to overtake the whole free ad based thing
0: i very much hope so so i don't see this move as being a tectasm i see it as being a very smart and intelligent move by the company to respond and react to what people think and want and uh, i just hope it isn't too late for YouTube, I just think YouTube is such a beer moth. they've actually got no competition. And even in the face of no competition, I know there are other video services, Vimeo, etc. But really, they are giants in the field of video content delivery for for that kind of bite-sized video uh, video snacks. Um, and they didn't have to do this; they've they've chosen to do it as an act of good faith. So, no t- no tectasm here, James. Should we jog on? Yep, move on. Well, VentureBeat reported, uh, Jordan Novet reported that Google are adding fingerprint scanning to Chrome OS. Now, they've added it to their, uh, uh, this fingerprint scanner to the operating system, not to the devices, but to the operating system to provide support. Uh, and this type of fingerprint unlock now brings Chrome OS in line with iOS, Android, Windows, and Mac OS, of course. Which uh, on the 2016 MacBook Pro features a, a fingerprint scanner with its uh, what is it a power button with a Touch ID built into it for biometric uh, authentication. Biometrics, James. Uh, good thing. Is it here to stay?
1: Um, well, you say here to stay. It's been in everywhere. I mean, I remember my father having a dell laptop with a fingerprint scanner coming on 10 years now so did it work um well i don't know but how many pieces of technology at the beginning could you say did work yeah uh,
0: that's very true yeah but
1: you know the uh is it here to stay um it's still here so yes uh it clearly is i think this is google just saying you know kind of me too
0: well, I think the idea, have you uh, have you actually had a go on one of these Apple 2016 MacBook Pros? Uh, no, I haven't, but I
1: use the thing, I've used the fingerprint. It's the same thing that's in the iPhones, and I use that every day. So.
0: Oh, is it? Right. It's the same thing. I just wonder whether, the, you know, where is it positioned? Do you have to... Uh,
1: it's, it's on the power button, so top right-hand corner.
0: Okay, but it's flat, so you've got to kinda of twist your thumb round to, to enable it. It's not on the screen, so you can handily touch the corner of the No, but the it screen. can work
1: with your first with your finger, your first index finger.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. I I use my thumb to unlock it on my uh, my Samsung. Well
1: Samsung I mean Samsung. on the iPhones you can have up to I think it's six fingers. I don't I don't know. Six fingers. Yay. Yeah, hey,
0: so, Norfolk.
1: You know, whatever. But it works in all different directions as well, so it doesn't have to be the same the same way and when it detects your finger it takes it scans the side of your finger as well when you when you when you do it so
0: yes yeah so you build up a kind of full yeah. view of the fingerprint. So and that it, even if you go in at an angle you get a partial print you can still get an unlock the phone version and i'm
1: saying i'm going to try this now it unlocks immediately there's no there's no waiting around So um... Yes,
0: it's the same on the Samsung. I think they've cracked that technology now. And this is the thing. Often it is, you talked about this old uh, Dell of your father's. Uh, The the technology, because those were the ones where you had to drag your finger across a little bar, a little line. And that biometric uh, functionality was built into Windows, wasn't it, 10 years ago? So it would have been Windows 7. Uh, And it was probably sluggish and slow and not very accurate. It was only, I think with the uh the iphone 5s when a proper fingerprint reader that worked every time was unleashed upon the market so and the iphone 5s think-
1: was let me just have a look how long ago that was um i think that was at least four years ago now wasn't it i mean you know so it's been around
0: no no we can count it back can't you we're on seven so you got seven six, six uh, s six five s so it's four years yeah you're absolutely right yeah of course you're always right huh. well I do think they since they've actually made the technology work now uh, that they, fingerprinting is generally here to stay but what about biometrics in general things like iris scanners um, I don't know what else what, you know things you lick look at facial scanners facial recognition uh, do you think uh, there's going to be any further biometrics delivered into these devices uh, phones and uh, tablets, and
1: um, I think the iris scanning thing is is
0: is really interesting. Didn't um, wasn't there one on the Note Seven? Uh, there was an iris scanner on the Note Seven. I think that was its 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 little feet janky feature. Uh,
1: yeah, I think I think
0: I think there was. Um, I think it just used the camera to establish a do a very quick picture because of course you can get a sort of near infrared scan out of a, a you know a sony camera sensor that's built into a mobile phone which will give you a little bit more detail and accuracy on the iris and of course with the ability to focus at very short ranges you could just hold it up to your eye and it would take a picture i don't know whether it was actually doing proper iris scanning which i think requires illumination or whether it was just looking at the shape of um your eyes or something i, more don't, I, don't,
1: I, I don't know i mean um, i've just done a Google search Iris Scanner Note 7 and then one of the first ones that come up is why I stopped using the Galaxy Note 7 Iris Scanner. <laughs> um so it's always good when you do that you think oh wow this feature must be great okay mm,
0: maybe not well somebody will come up with it I and mean, ultimately the fingerprint scanner is good enough isn't it to give you that convenience and level of security oh hang it's on. just about the lag isn't it it that's does say
1: thing. here though wearing glasses or contacts when unlocking your device or verifying your identity may cause the device to have difficulty recognizing your irises yeah I, I mean if that's the limitation it ain't going to work I mean, how many people wear contact lenses or wear
0: glasses? I mean. Yeah, most people. Well, again, I just think a little nodule on the bottom that you lick and it does a DNA scan. <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> Let's move on. Oh, dear. Okay, is there
1: a tectasm here?
0: No, there's no tectasm here. I think they are here to stay, aren't they? Because the technology's been perfected, the scanners have been perfected, and they're now ubiquitous, and we expect them to be there. So I'm not surprised by any of this. There's no tectasm here, James.
1: Okay, well, let's move on to the uh, final story.
0: We've got to find one at least this week.
1: Please, yeah, give me something. Okay. Well, th- well, hey, this is a good contender. Okay, James <laughs> Vincent in Circuit Breaker um, is part of The Verge is talking about JIDE, um, their new operating system that is basically Windows 10 Continuum for Android.
0: Now, JIDE, we talked about JIDE on a previous show, didn't we? It's a desktop version of Android.
1: Yes, it's got things like window docking, it's got a start menu, it supports keyboard and mouse, that kind of stuff. Um, So they're calling this feature Remix Singularity, Remix OS, of course, the name of their operating system. And this feature effectively allows you to plug a display, a a large display, into your smartphone. um, And you've got yourself a full PC, sort of. Uh, running Android of course well Remix which is a PC version of Android now
0: it's windowing isn't it effectively it's a windowing system on top of your existing Android apps is that right Uh,
1: that's that's exactly it so with a
0: file manager
1: uh, yes of course so they're copying if that's the right way uh, Microsoft with Windows 10 Continuum which is effectively the same thing if you've got a Windows 10 smartphone Um, I'm sure all three people out there are shouting and screaming saying yeah I've got one And you can plug in your smartphone into a external monitor and you basically get a full desktop-like experience. Obviously, it's not the complete operating system because Windows 10 for phones is not quite Windows 10 in the same way that Android is
0: not quite, well, Windows (laughs) So
1: uh, I guess um, it's interesting. But... Some
0: companies have had a go at this before, though, James, haven't they? Canonical tried it, tried it with Convergence or whatever it was. Sure. Um, and then there were the Asus Padphone range of phones where you snapped it into a dock uh, and you got a, a sort of desktop thingy going on. I'm not sure it was. I think it was just a big phone display. Um, I... And then... Yeah. Yeah, go on.
1: I'm not sure about this because this requires you to have a phone running Remix OS.
0: Right, but isn't Remix OS just stock Android with some extra features? Sure, but how many people buy a phone and change their operating system? Oh, no, I get that. So, presumably, JIDE, what JIDE are going to do here is license... What's it called? Jide OS? No, what's it called? Uh, Remix OS. Remix Singularity. Remix Singularity. Presumably they're going to license that to OEMs um, as a feature in the same way that... Uh, what, was the, what was everybody's favorite open source uh, custom ROM? Oh, Cyanogen. Cyanogen. So they had a few licensing deals, didn't they? They had a couple in, in for Indian phones and Chinese yeah, phones. Yeah, sure.
1: We're talking minuscule, tiny volumes that's never going to shift the dial um they need well unless somebody nails it of Um, course absolutely but um it's a a, i don't know it's a big deal do you not
0: like the idea of being able to do this think about it i mean your android phone is perfectly adapted to lasting all day being in a form factor. i mean the chip in my android phone is faster than the chip in my um, Chromebook that I'm recording this show on. So it's not like the power isn't Yeah, but there. the battery is going to just... Yes, but presumably when you plug the thing in, it will then... Um, uh, you you plug it in to actually get the video display out onto a monitor. You can also feed power back through the... Well, presumably okay, it's well, it in, doesn't empty look, people. Yeah, the
1: photo they've got doesn't look like that. The photo they've got looks like a just purely output the it looks because hdmi doesn't okay I'm there's some kind suspension. of converter box isn't there it's yeah, sure, like an but, but hdmi controller. from the display back to the host doesn't provide power no it doesn't host provides the power which it won't do in this case so you're just gonna
0: suck your battery life okay but here's another way of looking at it right so there's a lot of phones with usb type c correct which can do provide data and power in large quantities in both directions. So there's a perfect, you know, maybe it's just the little gizmo, you know, if you've got a monitor which will take a you know, uh, display link over a USB-C and chuck power down the cable again, there you've got a situation where you plug your phone in and boom, your desktop comes up. I, I suppose for me the question is, how does this play into things like Magnolia? or what, what's it called, the new Android? Fuchsia. Fuchsia. Play, how does that play into Fuchsia? How does it play into Chrome OS? How does it play into Google's own plans for Android? Um, I, I just... I it, I think this is a technology demonstrator. I think their exit strategy is to be bought by Google for having innovative ideas and a good PR function.
1: Agreed. Uh, so... But tech-tasm! Think that's a te- I, I think it's a... I think that's a tech
0: well, like Jide OS itself, before when we previously reviewed it, this has got um, the word "tectasm" included in the branding. Um, so I think everything they do will be a tectasm, which is why we love a Jide story on the show. Mm. Sadly, that is it for this week. Now, you can find us, as as usual, at facebook.com slash techtasm. Subscribe in the usual way through your podcatcher, podcast reading app on your phone. And you can contact us at feedback at techtasm.com. We record most Tuesdays at 2100 BST GMT. So watch out for next week's episode. This is me, Sir Robin Yellow. And me, Mr. James Woodall. Asking the question, is it real or is it just a techtasm?